The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland with you today, and it's a joy to have you. We're going to be looking at Daniel. We're looking at the man and the book, but uh, just looking ahead to chapter 10, it's one of the great chapters. I just want to read a little bit. I'm always looking for repeated words or repeated phrases. Verse 10 of chapter 10, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. In that same chapter, verse 16, and suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. And then in verse 18, and again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. I, that may have been the incentive for Bill Gaither to write the song, He Touched Me. And I pray that God has touched your life in some significant way for salvation and then for discipleship. Alex, uh, as we look at the book of Daniel, I would say Daniel knew what it was to have the touch of God on his life. Amen. Amen. And, you know, uh, Daniel 10 talks about the prince of the kingdom of Persia that withstood him and uh, spiritual battle in prayer. We come to one of my favorite verses in the book of Daniel, Daniel eleven thirty two. Now listen to this. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be shall he corrupt by flatteries. Now listen to this. But the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Amen. I've often thought about that, Daniel eleven thirty two. The people who know their God, and we know many people listening, are walking with the Savior right now. And everybody can find Jesus. He's as close by as a prayer. But when you know the true and the living God, you can be strong and God through you will do exploits. And so there's a lot in Daniel that's very encouraging and instructive for us today, isn't it, Bert? There is. And speaking of exploits and great exploits, we have a guest in our first segment. Oh, and, yeah? and they're striving to do some great exploits for supporting missionaries around the world in these difficult days. A few mm-hmm. years ago, and I, I'm not going to take anything away from her guest as, as she will tell you more about it. But an orange letter campaign was started a few years ago at, at here on AFA and uh, we still doing it. And today our guest is someone that is connected with the exploring the word family. Someone mm-hmm. that was our board op and producer for a, a while and that's Sidra Sartain. Sidra, yeah. welcome. Hi, how are you doing? It's good to have her back, isn't it, Alex? <laughs> it is Sidra and the Exploring the Word show. We go back a long way, don't we? Yes, I started out as your call screener first. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. Um, you you let mm-hmm. a few through that. No, I'm joking. No. <laughs> no, we've, we've, I still remember, though, my first uh, time on air was actually on Exploring the Word. It was during Christmas, and... Uh, you gave each member of the team a chance to come on and just say something, you know, for Christmas. Yeah, that's, and yeah. you asked me before I went on, do you want me to go ahead and give you your question? I'm going to ask her, do you want to just wing it? And I very confidently said, wing it. And you asked me uh, when I got on the air, 
what was my favorite Christmas memory? And my brain forgot every <laughs> Christmas I ever had. And I shouldn't have. <laughs> so don't wing it if you've never been on the air. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> well, Cedric, well, it is a joy to have you. And we mean that. You're one of those amen. people that works at AFA that brightens our day when we meet you. Well, I'm and, glad to be uh, here. And you give tours. So uh, I'm I'm doing this real quick. We'll get the orange <laughs> letter campaign. But when people come by, you're one of those people that give them a tour, aren't you? Oh, yes, I do have that uh, that privilege. I really enjoy getting to meet people and talk with them and to take them around the offices and let them meet other people. Uh, and I, I really love the opportunity to drag someone out of their office. <laughs> <laughs> they get real comfortable in their chair and I come in. Can you come out and uh, talk? No, well, everybody here loves greeting the people. Yeah, it's so. always good. <laughs> And, Cedra, I've just appreciated you so much. I mean, you are a, a vital part of the wonderful ministry of AFA. And um, I, I know we're going to talk about the Orange Letter campaign, but you also have done much work with uh, Engage Magazine and, you know, reaching and equipping millennials for, for the gospel. Uh, what is your main title these days within the ministry, Cedra? Uh, content coordinator for Engage Magazine. Uh, for a long time mm-hmm. I was in radio, but I was given an opportunity to— uh, Work alongside Jordan Chambly, who's our head editor, and uh, Wesley Wildman. Of course, people around here know him, and we just kind of keep try to keep engaged running the best we can. But we put up articles. We do a podcast, um, a, a program that airs every Saturday on AFR called Share Truth Apply Scripture, and so um, that's what we're doing these days. And the cause of Engage Magazine, it's connected with the Orange Letter yes. campaign. Yes, if yes, you it is. Find how if. Before you tell what it is, mm-hmm. people sometimes like to go to the Internet and follow you, what you say. Yeah. They can go to afa.net and find information, but they can go to Engage Magazine. EngageMagazine.net. And yes. find even, it's quicker that way. EngageMagazine.net. Everything is there. Everything is there. Mm-hmm. But you tell us what it is. Um, I think everybody remembers a video, or at least most people do, um, from 2015 of 21 Christians being beheaded on that beach in Egypt and they were all wearing mm. these orange jumpsuits and that's kind of where the name came from we we pulled from that and that year we partnered with a with a ministry and were able to deliver letters from the listeners to the families that these men left behind and in each year we kind of um were able to reach out to a different country um we went to Syria North uh North Korea and Nigeria, and the past few years we partnered with Global Outreach International to send letters to their missionaries that they have all over the world. And that's who we're partnering with this year? Yes, we are We, we are partnering with them. Mm-hmm. You can go to, um, I believe it's glo- globaloutreach.org if you want to know more about them. And yeah. Alex, when we hear about this uh, on Exploring the Word and we ask people to be involved, this is a great way to be involved because, you know, everybody talks about the apostles. The word apostle, men, means in the Greek, sent ones. <laughs> and uh, so a lot of these missionaries, and everybody's been sent out by God, but many of the missionaries that will be contacted, they've been sent from the comfort of their home, and some of them are in very strategic, difficult locations, aren't they? They are. And, you know, just a word of encouragement can mean so much. You know, the Bible says that we're to weep with those who weep. And the Bible talks about uh, a word fitly spoken in due season is like apples of gold. Cedra, um, 
you know, people that are serving Jesus in some just unimaginably tough places, just to, to know that they're being prayed for, to be encouraged with the Word of God and just some Christian love, um, that that can really make a difference for people that are struggling, can't it? It, it can, and I actually have uh, an article on the website that we put up, and it's, it's called the Orange Letter Campaign 2021. It's just all the information, but we did get word back from some of the missionaries, and so I have one here from Courtney Folk, who is in Costa Rica, um, so this is one that I can I can share where she's from. It says, thank you so much for the notes that were sent to our family. To receive cards and messages from friends and family really made us feel remembered and loved. In these current times with much uncertainty and being loved and remembered was a huge encouragement and motivation for us to stay the course and keep up the work God has called us to do here in Costa Rica. So we've gotten to hear back from ones that received letters um, last year, and that's just a little testimony to someone who did get a letter. And a lot of mm. these are in difficult places, mm. and where they have to go undisclosed. And, yes. Uh, some of them are with different organizations. Now, this is Global Outreach International, and uh, they've got missionaries strategically placed mm-hmm. all over the globe. And and so, Alex and, and Cedra, I want to ask you this, Cedra. Uh, these missionaries that you write, how do they get it? Is it by email? No, they will actually, I believe they actually get cards in the mail. Okay. They get Christmas cards in the mail with your letters. Now, okay. your, um, you will be able to submit your letter online, and we'll make sure they get those. Okay. So, Alex, it's a great opportunity to encourage. And, you know, when we studied the book of Acts, and Paul would get back to Antioch and Jerusalem sometimes and share with them what God did on the mission field, uh, it was mm-hmm. always awesome to hear. He would give a report. And uh, and then what would Paul do after the first and second? He would return to those same places where he had planted churches to mm-hmm. encourage them. So this principle of writing letters or visiting to encourage others is a biblical principle, isn't it? It really is. Bert, I'm so glad you would point that out. It goes back to the very beginnings of the church, and God works, and Listen, some are sent, and others help send, but uh, I can say, and Bert, I know you know this too, but as a, you know, I'm a missionary, I'm always on the road traveling, and a word of encouragement just means so much, and a beautiful thing, and Carla, I'm Carla, uh, Cedra, I'm sorry. I know some is Carlas. Is that your middle name? Uh, it is now. I'm okay. going to get it legally changed. But, uh, CJ, I, I, in a second, I want you to explain where people can uh, participate in the uh, Orange Letter campaign. But the way the Holy Spirit orchestrates this, it this letter will arrive at just the right time. The right word of encouragement, just that little boost to help keep someone going and, and the prayers to uh, uh, on, on their behalf. But... I just have an idea because I know how the Lord works in in these ways. He'll ele- He'll let that thing arrive at precisely the right time. How can people participate in the Orange Letter campaign? Okay, it's real simple. If you go to engagemagazine.net, you'll find a form at the top. It says "Send Your Letter." A little button there. You click on it, and it it's a real easy to fill out form. Uh, so you just fill out your name, email, your letter. And then you also have an opportunity to receive a free T-shirt. This is our first year doing this. Um, and I think it's a good reminder piece, like something that you wear out and you see it and you can remember that missionary, those missionaries that you're praying for and take time to pray for them then. And you'll also receive two bookmarks. And 
there is a place on the bookmark for you to write who you're praying for specifically, even if it is just, you know, if you put the word missionaries, you know, or if you have a specific one, you can go to globaloutreach.org and you can actually see some of the missionaries there if you want to go through and pray specifically for them. But these two bookmarks, you keep one, you give one to a friend. That's what we really want you to do. We want you to give that extra bookmark away. You know, praying for missionaries is such a vital part, supporting them. Uh, it's kind of like what we talk about when we have share We have those that listen. We have those that listen and pray. And then we have those that listen and pray and tell others. And then we have those that listen, pray, tell others, and give financially. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when it comes to connecting with missionaries, uh, connecting with them, praying for them, uh, contacting them, and, and being a part of the financial ministry of missional work around the world, I've said this and don't have a lot of time. I really believe one of, if not the main reason, America is not under more severe judgment is that we're still sending more missionaries than any other country in the world. Cedra, that gives us hope. And this gives mm. us the encouragement to participate in that and encourage those missionaries, doesn't it? Exactly. And so the, these people, they're separated from their families during Christmas time. And with all the COVID traveling restrictions, it's harder for them to come home and see them. So mm. right now is an even more important time for you to join in and write your letter. Well, Alex, it's been good to have Cedra, isn't hasn't it? Always, oh, sister, we appreciate you so much, and just the friendship that spans many years. We thank God for it. Well, thank you so much. Thank y'all for having me on. Thank you, Cedra, and Alex. We're going to get back to the Book of Daniel, and uh, he was kind of like a missionary over in Babylon. He did a pretty, a real, a good job showing who Christ was. And we're we're going to talk about that in the next segment as we'll come back and look at the rest of Daniel, the book of Daniel. I hope you can join us as we stay tuned with this lesson of Prophets, Kings, and Kingdoms. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Elizabeth Fowler, Acting Director of the Indian Health Service. Her office is the principal federal health care advocate and provider of health care services for American Indians and Alaska Natives. 3 John 1-2 reminds us of the blessings of good health. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Elizabeth Fowler. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Sometimes people who say they're seeking the Lord are really seeking something completely different. Dr. Tony Evans says that makes God hard or even impossible to find. We'll discover why as we spend two minutes with Tony. When our kids were small, uh, from time to time, we would play hide and seek. They couldn't find me because I could hide, you know, in a way that they couldn't locate me. And then after a while, they would get like really frustrated because they're looking, they're looking, they can't find me. So when they got like really frustrated and wanted to quit, wanted to give up, and I'd hear them, 
Come on, Daddy, come on. Where are you? I'd make a little noise or I'd ruffle something. I'd give them a clue to where I was. In other words, when they got down enough, I'd make myself locatable. Sometimes God has to let you get down long enough before he makes himself locatable. So you say, I'm struggling and I can't find him. Oh, God wants you to look a little harder. But I'm struggling, I can't find him. That's because he wants you to go a little deeper. Because he wants to know that you want him and not just want his stuff. See, everybody wants God's power, but not everybody wants God's relationship. You don't want intimacy, but you want deliverance. You don't want closeness, but you want blessing financially. You don't want closeness, but you want God to get you out of this situation. No, you can't get the power if you don't want the relationship. If you do want that relationship, it can begin for you today. To find out how, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. God, and we are studying the Word of God. We're in the book of Daniel here on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Bert Harper and Alex McFarland, and we're in the book of Daniel. And uh, Daniel 10, 19, the Word of God says, And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Bert, uh, the book of Daniel is not the longest book in the Bible, by far, just 12 chapters, and it occurs during something called the Babylonian captivity, and Daniel uh, spent pretty much seven decades serving the Lord in a strange land and as a captive, and and I've got to believe that took a lot of strength and resilience to faithfully, I mean, he stared down the mouth of lions and oppressive kings and put his life on the line repeatedly for for the sake of his God, didn't he? He did. And and the book of Daniel, what amazes me, Alex, uh, is the character. There's nothing, as you said yesterday, there's no character flaw revealed in Daniel. He's human. We know he had some. He may have, sounds like he was an overcomer of those character flaws, so he could be that character with not even being listed, but we know that. But the thing that amazes me about the book of Daniel is how people want to criticize it because it is so accurate in telling future events that the critics would say it can't be have written before. It had to be written after the fact, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so I, I spent a good bit of time 
looking at that and seeing those arguments that that higher criticism that came out of Germany in the 1800s, and, and we, uh, we don't go into that very much on exploring the Word, but uh, they do not treat the Word of God as Alex and I do as the inerrant Word of God. They're looking at it as these men wrote, and they were inspired, not necessarily with authentic, but they were inspired to write stories that may or not be true about God, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, and so, but Daniel is so accurate in saying the four, uh, kingdoms that would come after him, uh, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Greeks, and the Romans, Alex, that the, it, they, the critics just say, this can't be before it has to be after. That's well. That's yeah, amazing. I, I to mean, me. yeah, yeah. It, it's just it, it really is uncanny. And again, Daniel is written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And you know, I know we're talking about Daniel ten and following, so we're really getting more towards the end of Daniel. But on uh, Daniel chapter two, of course, there's this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar the second was the king of Babylon, and there was this uh, gigantic statue made of four metals, a head of gold, down to the feet, uh, uh, really mixed with iron and clay, and a stone not cut from human hands falls out of heaven and destroys this statue. And you're right, it is an amazingly, uncannily accurate prediction of the future of kingdoms from, you know, Babylon and following. But, Bert, I want to recommend a book. And, folks, I, I don't ever recommend a book unless I have, you know, owned it and or read it and studied it. Josh McDowell, who is a great friend of this ministry and a brilliant, brilliant thinker, years ago, and I love this title, uh, Josh wrote a book called Daniel in the Critic's Den. <laughs> It, now, is that a good title? That is awesome. Yes, yes. Because, you know, we, we know Daniel was in the lion's den, but um, Bert is right. Bert, you're absolutely right. Daniel has been subjected to so much criticism, and the the secularists, they, they don't really want to acknowledge the divine authorship of Daniel because it is so, um, you know, brazenly accurate about predicting the future uh, but if you want a, a good commentary, and as always, we do encourage you to build a Christian library. Uh, your books will will go through life with you like friends to instruct you. But Josh's book, and I'm sure you could probably find it online, but Daniel in the Critics' Den, uh, that will be a good commentary for you to own regarding this wonderful Old Testament work. It is. And one of the things, and again, I, I we want to spend our time doing this, but this this puts iron in my blood about, yes, I can depend upon the Word of God, that it is accurate, even when they don't know the whole truth. Uh, he talks about some music instruments, and uh, two of them especially were, were Greek music instruments, and they said, how in the world could Daniel know about these Greek music instruments? They, they, the critics said it hadn't even gotten there yet. That, but then they found through archaeology, through research, and finding that yes, these people, Greece was sending. Uh, today we'd call them traveling salesmen. Okay, but they're merchants right, right. that would go around the world, and they had already made their way to Babylon when uh, Daniel was being written, 
and they found out later, yes, those music instruments were available and knowledgeable of Babylon when Daniel was being written. So here they were criticizing and critiquing it and saying it's not possible because, and the truth was, it was them that did not have the right information, Alex, to look at the book of Daniel. That has been true again and again throughout scriptures. Life is in the blood. The Bible said that long before they found out about how life is through the blood, the DNA and everything. The Lord sits on the sphere of the earth, the, the you know, the circle the of the circle earth. Of it's the not earth, flat. Yes. And again, the Bible far ahead of man and what man could find out and discover from God's creation. Oh, amen, amen. And, you know, th- that's true. Uh, Again, one of these tidbits of, of authenticity of all those musical instruments, but uh, th- this is proof that Daniel was in Babylon and the, the trustworthiness of the book is once again established. And we've said this many times that the Bible is just this inexhaustible gold mine of truth. Uh, you can trust your Bible. And Bert, I'm with you. It, it puts iron in my blood as well. Uh, when I come across these things, and you can trust the Word of God. But um, in the latter parts of the book of Daniel, Daniel gets a, a, a vision from God. By the way, there's, um, I forget how many words are in the book of Daniel. I mean, uh, several thousand words, but dreams are alluded to many times. And Daniel has dreams and visions about the end of time. Uh, there's uh, the, the little horn. And the last days, you know, and um, in chapter 11, let me allude to that just a, a little bit, because much has been speculated about what this is, that um, in the end of years, they shall join themselves together. This is Daniel eleven six, and it's talking about uh, the end times out of a branch of her root shall one stand up and his estate out of which shall come an army. Uh, enter into the fortress of the king of the north and shall deal against them and they shall prevail. Okay, uh, there's much that we've talked about in recent weeks on the broadcast about uh, Israel in the last days. But, Bert, um, Israel is going to be invaded. Um, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, but um, God will prevail and the church will never be extinguished and God will protect Israel. But this um, little horn that, that Daniel and other biblical prophets talk about, um, bottom line, it's a reference to the Antichrist, isn't it? It is. And again, John wrote about this in the New Testament in the book of First John, and he said, but many Antichrists have come before. In other words, you have the little horn representing the big Antichrist, and I thought that was, I, I'm playing with words here, but John would say you would have many that would come uh, before mm-hmm. the big one, and that's what you have in Scripture. Usually you have these smaller uh, descriptions, uh, you know, upheaval wars, and it reminds you of what's coming in the future that's going to be bigger and bigger. We've always lived in difficult times. Christians have always been the minority. Narrow is the way that leads to life. But what happens as we grow and grow, the Bible says in those last days, it will get worse and worse, you know, that that remnant will be there. 
And so, again, as you read the book of Daniel, you see God uh, putting these visions and dreams in Daniel, the 70 weeks, the little the horn, the little horn. Mm-hmm. Alex, it is beyond description of how Daniel would do that. Someone has described Daniel as the revelation in the Old Testament, you know, and they mm-hmm. described Daniel as the apostle John uh, having visions and seeing things that was revealed to him in the Old Testament that that uh, John would even add more to through the power of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. I, I would say that was a pretty accurate uh, evaluation of the two books and the two men. Well, exactly. And, you know, very famously in uh, Daniel eleven twenty one, it talks about, and, and this is certainly indicative of the political persuasion of the Antichrist, that he will take the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Flattery is, is your, the Antichrist's public uh, manipulation of people. Intrigue is what he's doing behind the scenes. But here, here's the thing. You know, uh, Daniel eleven twenty seven talks about kings plotting against each other, attempting to deceive each other, but it will make no difference, for neither can succeed until God's appointed time has come. All right, God's will is going to be done. And Bert, we're living in a time now of political intrigue and flattery and false promises and empty words. But as Daniel says, God's appointed times and plans will come. Uh, I, I just want to say this, um, Daniel twelve nine, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up, sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked will do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Uh, um, General Booth of the Salvation Army, Daniel 12.10, led him to write in his uh, one of his famous songs, uh, Send the Fire, about power to wrap the world in white. Well, that comes out of Daniel 12.10. But Bert, um, let me read this uh, in in verse three of Daniel twelve. I think this is, uh, of course, we open this study by talking about Daniel twelve two, where Billy Graham would preach about how millions who sleep in the dust will be raised up, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. But Daniel twelve three, those who are wise, the people of God, shall shine as brightly as the sun's brilliance, and those who turn many to righteousness will glitter like the stars forever. Um, admittedly, from the beginning of this Prophets, Kings, and Kingdoms, we're not going verse by verse through every book. We're kind of doing a bird's eye view. Uh, and so there's a hundred things about Daniel we could drill down in more deeply. But just on a surface level, like Daniel 12, 3 says, um, the, those who follow God are wise. Those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Bert, isn't it good God knows the future? Through his prophets, God has revealed the future. Those of us who know Christ, and if you have never trusted Christ, we urge you to do that even right this minute. Call on Jesus. Be saved, and you'll be secure no matter what tomorrow throws at us. But our job, isn't it, to, quote, turn many to righteousness and walk with the Lord as long as we're in this world. 
Amen, Alex. And those words in those two verses, 2 and 3 of chapter uh, 12, are so significant. Wise, okay? And you already talked about what Billy Graham talked about, everlasting life, everlasting contempt. Now, this is what's amazing. Uh, Eternal life that the Bible talks about is not just a quantity it is a quality of life. And, and I think that demonstrates that in verses 2 and 3, the everlasting life that's in verse 2, and then the wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. It's talking about a, a quality as well. But look at the shame of everlasting contempt, Alex. In other words, while that is going on, the everlasting uh, punishment of, of those that, rejected Jesus Christ. People are saying, is there a sin that will send you to hell? Yes, there is. The sin of unbelief, the sin Mm. of not placing your faith in Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. We're living in a day when a lot of the millennials are trying to say, well, their, their belief is equal with mine. No. I, let's just make it clear. The superiority of the Christian faith from the Word of God is essential. It is real. And, Alex, it is the only way. Uh, not Amen. all roads lead to heaven the way all roads lead to Rome. That's not true. The way, he is the way. And the Bible says it's narrow way, isn't it? That's true. And, and make no mistake, Bert, I know there's a, there's a study that's just out. In fact, we commented on it yesterday on today's issues about people speculating there are more ways to heaven than just Jesus. False. Folks, make no mistake, there is one way to go to heaven, and that's through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves you and he is offering himself to you. There's countless ways to be lost. There's one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray you trust him today. We're going to take your phone calls in the next segment. That number, 888-589-8840. Alex and I would love to talk with you. Give us a call. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is coming in November. Learn more at AFA.net. Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. One morning, Elisha's young servant went out first thing and saw the Syrian army surrounding Elisha's hometown. The servant was racked with fear and cried out to Elisha, What will we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. 
there are more with us than are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open this young man's eyes. The servant then saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. As opposition mounts in our lives, fear not. The Lord who is in us and with us is greater than the hostility present in the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. David wrote in Psalm 29, verse 9, In his temple all cry glory. There are many words you might use to describe yourself, but if you wrapped everything about you into one word, what would it be? God has many attributes. He is holy, He is merciful, He is jealous and will tolerate no rivals. He is faithful and will never desert us. He is eternal, He's incomprehensible. No one can fully understand Him or figure Him out. He is love without end. But the Bible says that we can describe all of who God is in one word, glory. God is indeed glorious. And it's wonderful that he shares his glory, not only in his creation, but through his people. Let God display his glory through you today. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. We're glad that you're listening. We hope that you're having a great day on this beautiful Tuesday. Anyway, and my neck of the woods and hoping you're enjoying the autumn weather. I know we've got some people in the northwest and that's headed to the northeast. It's having to put up with wind and rain, so we pray that they'll be safe. But Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines, brother? The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Call us with your Bible question. We'll do our best to give you an answer. Okay. Let's go to Amy in Virginia. Amy, are you there? Okay, I must not be doing it right there. Okay, let me try it again. Yeah, there it is. Okay, Amy, welcome. Well, thank you for taking I have a couple of quick questions. Um, we have the Gospel of John, and then we have the books 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Were they written by the same person? And why, if so, why did he write four different books? And then the other question I have is, I've heard that there are 500 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Do we know, or does it matter really, what was going on those 500 years and why it took so long to write the New Testament? Oh, wow. Great questions, Amy. Let me get the one uh, about the Gospel of John and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Yes, that is the same man. Uh, it is the Apostle John. Uh, don't don't think that's John the Baptist. Remember, he would be beheaded and not be there. But John, and they're very 
he carries out love and light. Uh, what you see in in the gospel, you see that same kind of I would say emphasis there in in first and second and third John, and uh, he he did do that, and that was the same apostle. And why would he write four? Well, how many of them did Paul write? Alex, is it? Uh, uh, well, Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul wrote um, almost half the New Testament, yeah. really. And then and, Luke, uh, Luke would write Luke and Acts. So yeah, you, you have and some, Peter would write for First yeah, and Second Peter. That's exactly right. So, so you have that, Amy. Go ahead, Alex. Well, yeah, you know, from John the Apostle, we really got five books. You know, yeah. um, First, Second, and Third John, and then the Gospel of John, and then the Book of Revelation. But you know, uh, by the way, you get a you get an A for the day for a great call, um, and then Malachi to Matthew. Now this is what's called the intertestamental period. In other words, what was going on? Well, for a long time, Israel was under the control of the Persian Empire until about three hundred or three thirty B.C., and things were happening. But around sixty three B.C., Rome conquered Israel. Okay, so all of, you know, the land of Israel was under the control of Roman leaders. And so eventually, you know, as um, a lot of Jews were coming out of captivity back to Rome, and then there was a family of the Herods, and Herod was part of the the Roman Senate. And we we think about Herod that was, you know, uh, during the time of the birth of Christ, but there were a number of people in this family line uh, that were under Herod, but during this period emerged two um, religious groups, Pharisees and Sadducees. And by the time of the birth of Christ, they would really be, uh, Bert, is it fair almost to say competitive for followers from within the Jewish people, Pharisees uh, and Sadducees? Yes, they would be. And Notice what takes place. They return with religious fervor. Before they yes. went into captivity, uh, they were, man, they were, they were trying, honestly, they were trying to combine pagan worship with the worship of God. Honestly, that's what they wanted to do. They didn't want to completely uh, lose God. They wanted him to come. But when they come back, they come back with religious fervor and Alex, I would say too much religion and not enough relationship, okay? Well, that's true. And the other thing that developed during that period of time, Amy, is the synagogues. You do not find a synagogue mentioned in the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes on and then the rest of the New Testament, you find synagogues. That was some of Paul's, uh, you know, missionary strategy is go to a town, visit the synagogue. That developed during that period of time. So there was a lot of things that developed between Malachi and then John the Baptist coming mm-hmm. on the scene. And uh, that was a, it's called, you know, that inner, uh, the Maccabees, if you want to do a little research, and I'm not saying we need to comment on it, but there was a good bit of hi- Jewish history that was going on during that period of time that set up the New Testament, wasn't it, Alex? And- well, it was, and let me say one last thing, and again, if you're just tuning in, the caller asked a wonderful question, a question to my recollection we've only had a couple of times in the uh, decade plus of exploring the Word, but what was going on during the time after the Old Testament, before the New? Let me just say this. There were Greek 
and Roman occupations uh, and captivities of the Jewish people. Well, Persian and then Roman. And here's the thing. The Pharisees were very hard and legalistic. The Sadducees were wealthy and almost kind of liberal because influenced by the Greeks, they denied the resurrection. Here's the thing. It's almost like while they did have religious fervor, the, the Pharisees seemed to be influenced by the hardness of the Romans, and the Sadducees seemed to be influenced by the skepticism of the Greeks. Yeah. Now, into this context, can, uh, the silent period of 400 years, and into it, God spoke. Yeah. Galatians 4, for the fullness of time, and the, the, the Savior was born. So... Uh, Bert, the there was the challenge was to um, even though they went through this four centuries of captivity and dispersion, to come back not only to the land of God but to the relationship with God. That was the challenge. It really was. Amy, thank you for that good question. And honestly, we're having a hard time stopping because <laughs> we could go to several oh, other things. But we're going to go on. We're going to go to. I, I, I'm not doing this right, so go to Patty in Alabama. Can we do get her on? Patty in Alabama. Okay. How about let's go to Chad in Texas there, Marty. I'm, okay. I'm having a hard time with my computer, not operating it right. Chad, welcome. Hello. How are y'all today? Doing well. Yeah. Hey, uh, thank y'all for all y'all do. It's a blessing to us all. My question today comes from Luke 23. Uh, verse 43, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, that you will be with me in paradise. Of course, we know he's talking to the seat uh, or the crook on the, the criminal on the cross. Um, my question is, is paradise different than heaven? Is it another place or is it just another way of calling heaven, heaven, paradise? Okay, great. Another good question. Let me say one thing. It was one of the thieves. Uh, I, I want to make this plain because I want to urge people to get saved and do it now. There were two thieves, one on either side of Jesus. They saw the same things. They heard the same things, yet one believed and one did not. So I hear people say, to, oh, well, I'm not going to get saved now. I'm going to wait at the last minute like the thief on the cross and I've, I've been told that more than once, and I answer, which thief? And uh, you don't want to put mm. Christ on there too too long. But Alex, paradise, heaven, uh, Abraham's bosom, are those same place or some different? Uh, well, it's interesting because the word paradise and the Greek word is paradise. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> and um, that that's only three times in the whole Bible, Luke 23, 43. But also in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about being caught up to paradise. And then in Revelation 2, verse 7, it speaks of heaven being the paradise of God. So uh, paradise uh, can refer to heaven, the abode of God. But generally, Bert, whenever I read this, I think about Ephesians chapter 4, which quotes Psalm 68. Because Ephesians 4 talks about that when Christ died on the cross, 
he descended into the lower parts of the earth and gave gifts to men. This is Ephesians 4, 8. So before the resurrection, paradise was understood to be uh, the part of the realm of the dead where believing saints of old went. Okay, there was um, the grave, Sheol. Uh, but within Sheol, the realm of the dead, there were two areas. There was Hades, where the wicked dead went, the unbelievers. There was Paradise, where believers went. Now, when Ephesians 4, and again it quotes uh, Psalm 68, it says, He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, who were the captives? The saved of the Old Testament. And he took them to heaven. He gave gifts to men that most think that's a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and spiritual gifts. But, Bert, writers of old would, would say this. They would say, Christ spoiled the grave. What does that mean? Well, he emptied uh, Abraham's bosom of its souls of believers from time past, took them to heaven. And so when he said uh, in Luke 23, 43, today you will be, be with me in paradise. Um, it means the presence of God, although paradise had been a reference to uh, that part of Abraham's bosom, the believers of old, but he took them to heaven. Um, many think that thief on the cross, the, the penitent thief, the believing thief, was the last person saved under the old covenant. Um, we don't precisely know but it's heaven. Now paradise means heaven, the place of God. This is so important. It's If you see it described and listen, it is kind of like uh, a garden, a river flowing from it. And again, what happens after Jesus ascended? Jesus, we believers are wherever Jesus is. He led captivity captive and we're with him. And matter of fact, we come with him with the saints. And so he's on the throne. We're with him. And Alex, thank you for that again. Uh, great question. Let's go to Alabama and talk to Patty. Hello. Pat yes, Patty, go ahead. Sorry, I thought I had you a moment ago, but That's welcome okay. to Exploring the Word. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you both for all that you do. I have learned so much and I do not know how you guys do all the traveling and all the ministering that you do and you keep everything so sharp in your mind. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> it's only God, only God and I know that. But listen, um I have a question in Jeremiah fifty two, uh verse twenty, when they're talking about they're taking items out of the temple, I believe. And it says uh, there uh, that they took two pillars, and then the next one is one C, S T A, and that's capitalized. What is the one C? Uh, what is the reference there to? Okay, mm. what that's chapter fifty-two of Jeremiah, right? The weight that's of the two enormous pillars. Down. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Alex. And the laver. Uh, the word C S E A, a, a vessel of water, the brazen laver, whereby the priests would cleanse and wash their hands, and you know become ceremonially clean. 
Bert, I understand that to mean the, the laver of water that was there as they were going into the temple area to do the sacrifices. Yes, it is. And what's going to be amazing is they get to Babylon. Uh, they uh, There's a little bit, not a little bit, a good bit of mockery of those things, and there'd be a price to pay for that. I think you're right, Alex. But the neatest thing about that, you can read, it's sort of like Paul Harvey. You remember he'd do the rest of the story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you follow the 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 items in the temple and how they were taken out and how they were taken there, uh, the story's not over yet, you know, because uh, they're going to bring them out in kind of a mockery way, but God's going to have his way. And mm-hmm. uh, don't, here, here's my thought, don't you uh, uh, mess with God. I, I want to share this story. It's a pretty good story. My wife and I were involved in a backyard Bible club. You remember when those were really big, Alex? Oh, yes. And uh, Jan and I were in a community, and we were involved in it. And Jan, my wife, was talking about the Bible and how important it was. And there was these three brothers that were not churched at all. And they came, and Jan was talking about the Bible and how great it was and tells us about Jesus. And at the end, she asked these boys, uh, you know, what did they learn? And one of the little boys' name was Harley. Never will forget it. He said, I know, and he held up his hand. Jan asked, said, don't mess with a God book. Don't mess with a God book. Alex, <laughs> I love That's that true. the Word of God is true and accurate. And even here in Jeremiah, when it talks about these items being taken, God has his way of dealing with wrong, but he wants to make things right in our lives. And right now, those of you who are listening, God desires to get right with you. And there's a number you can call, 888-NEED-HIM, 888-NEED-HIM. And those people will help you. They'll pray with you, and they will help you to come to know Jesus as Savior. Alex, it's been good looking over the book of Daniel, hasn't it? Amen. Folks, we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. I, I want to encourage you to check out our book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, that Bert and I wrote with Broad Street Publishing. Thank you for listening. We're going to be on again tomorrow, good Lord willing. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network and Exploring the Word. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.